0: But if you're zoned properly if you're a bed and breakfast you can list on all those platforms you can basically do whatever you want and it's awesome too because now you're talking about a commercial property so you get to base value mm-hmm. off of net operating income you've got stronger levers to increase the value and it's the best of both worlds
1: your network is your net worth come listen to some of the most successful people i know Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host, as always, Yona Weiss, on this lovely journey we like to call a podcast here with Another incredible guest, Sean DiMartile. What is going on from sunny San Diego?
0: Hey, what's going on, Yona? It's good morning so far. It's going to be a bright sunny day in San Diego, as always. So I'm happy, man.
1: As always. That's absolutely. I actually lived in San Diego for a few years. Don't know if you knew that, but I did not. Went to SDSU of all places.
0: Oh, very cool. That's a beautiful college.
1: It is. It wasn't when I was there. I mean, it was, but they did in the last 20 years. I mean, I was there over 20 years ago they did a lot of upgrades to the groundskeeping and things like that, but it
0: was was a nice place. At least you were in San Diego, man. I mean, hard to beat.
1: (laughs) Definitely hard to beat. One of the most beautiful cities in America that I've spent time in. So definitely love it there. And you're there full-time investing in real estate, but I would imagine not so much in San Diego. Would I be correct in assuming that?
0: You're correct. All of my properties are outside of San Diego, with the exception of one, which is my primary residence. That's a duplex that I turned into an Airbnb.
1: Oh, cool. So you're renting out yeah. one side of it as an Airbnb? I'm actually
0: renting out both now, both oh, cool. sides now. Yeah. So I got that initially with VA loan a couple of years ago, but now both sides are being rented out as an Airbnb. But that's the only like really dabbling I've done in San Diego real estate because it's kind of nuts here, obviously.
1: Gotcha. So before we get into the thick of it, I want to do give a little introduction and give our listeners a bit of context. Who is this Sean DiMartile we're talking to? First of all, he is the host, co-host, I should say, of one of my favorite podcasts. Guys, if you are listening to this and you want to find another great real estate podcast, check out the Multifamily Takeoff Podcast. Definitely one of my favorites out there. He is the co-founder of Pac3 Capital. It's a multifamily investment company. They've done a bunch of deals with his partners and investing in mostly multifamily, right?
0: That's right. We're just now dabbling into the boutique hotel space, but pretty much our whole portfolio is multifamily. Yeah.
1: Awesome. And you mentioned in passing, you got your previous property with a VA loan. So give us a little background. Obviously, it sounds like you did some service. Tell us how you got started in real estate and what that transition was like.
0: Yeah. So, you know, if you go back, I did five years as an air traffic controller in the United States Navy, which is what initially brought me out here to San Diego. And I got into the real estate space because I had a friend that was a real estate agent and I was grabbing coffee with him one time. And when I transitioned out of the Navy, I immediately started working for the FAA as an air traffic controller. And I started making good money and I wanted to invest. And this guy was like, dude, you should check out. And this is like, I don't know, six years ago or something like that. He was like, You should check out this podcast called the Bigger Pockets Podcast and learn a little bit about real estate investing. Long story short, I did. And, you know, I basically just jumped right in. I mean, I was sold. I was hearing all of these stories of people that sound just like me, everyday people that just like buckled down, figured out, you know, picked a strategy and started crushing it. So, long story short, I completely liquidated my 401k. And I bought a 32-unit apartment complex with my partners. And right around the same time, I bought my duplex here in San Diego. And I bought that with the VA loan. That's zero down. All I had to do... There was even a funding fee with the VA loan, and I just rolled that into loan. I literally spent zero money Wow. and then got a duplex in San Diego, which is a great place to own real estate if you don't have to pay for it. Of course, I'm
1: sure, <laughs> I'm sure it's gone up in value quite a bit since Oh,
0: then. absolutely. It's been going up like 20% per year. So you know, I basically put the money in to furnish it and get it really nice for Airbnb. And that's been, honestly, my primary source of income since I quit the W-2 job. It's done so well for me. That's awesome. That's
1: amazing. I mean, I don't want to say it's passive because Airbnb is definitely not passive, but it's probably very little work involved on a daily or weekly basis?
0: It's very little work involved and I make it even less work involved because I'm a real big guy on technology and systems and automating things. And so most of my Airbnb activities are completely automated. I spend less than an hour a week on that property and it does incredibly well for me. And by the way, just throw out a little plug for you as well. Yona did do a cost segregation study on that for me and I ended up not having to pay any taxes one year, which was really cool. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Good story. Good plug there. Yeah. You guys can do it too. Anyone can do that.
0: Yeah. I love it. I recommend it to all my friends that have like a decent size portfolio or decent size Airbnb or multifamily, obviously.
1: Yeah. Most properties can be beneficial when you're doing that. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, you think you have to have this huge portfolio. You think you have to have these huge commercial properties or, you know, it can't be done on Airbnbs, can't be done on single families. And really it can. And, you know obviously this makes a difference between paying income tax or not paying income tax and obviously as a multifamily investor like yourself you're going to want to take those funds and roll it back into another deal
0: right exactly that money is worth more to me today especially with inflation and everything else that money is worth more to me today to get that and then get it working for me so 100% i mean it's a no brainer
1: it is i mean it is for most people What are you focusing on now? Like, is there one thing more than anything else? You mentioned the boutique hotel space you're looking into. Obviously, your main focus has been the multifamily, raise some money. I've seen a couple of deals you guys closed on recently. Mm -hmm. Is there a main focus or are you kind of doing a few different things at once?
0: The main focus has shifted to boutique hotels for sure. And honestly, away from multifamily for now. And that's just because that's where we see easy opportunity right now you're well aware that multifamily has been absolutely on fire for like right. the past several years a lot of capital has been drawn to it and the demand is through the roof especially in the competitive markets and you know it went from okay you got to underwrite 100 deals to find five good ones make offers on them and maybe get one and then it went to like 200 and now like 500 and it's just so hard to find those good deals that meet the returns that the investors are now used to and so we've been doing the my partners and I, we have several Airbnbs. I have Airbnbs in Kentucky and in Indianapolis. And we're like, okay, we started looking at these boutique hotels because a lot of municipalities are banning Airbnbs, yeah. restricting right. them severely. But if you get these boutique hotels, you know, we're talking like five unit to 10 unit hotels, sometimes a little bigger, that are like cute bed and breakfast already. They don't look mm-hmm. like a rundown motel six kind of a thing. And they're value add opportunities. I mean, you can buy these things and operate them as Airbnbs on the Airbnb mm. platform. You can renovate them, and you can have just incredible cash flow. And the cool thing about it is, you can find these deals just on LoopNet. I mean, it's like nobody cares about them for the most part. Like, there's not a lot of people gunning for these things. Wow. And so you know, we're starting to see these opportunities and like multifamily has been really tough for us, but we're just saying, hey, let's take what the defense has given us and go where the opportunity is. And so that's where we're focusing right now.
1: That's awesome. We actually had Stacey Conti. I don't know if you know her, but she was on the podcast about a month ago and she did a similar thing. And it was really interesting because specifically in markets that banned Airbnbs or banned, uh, you know, these, but if you have a hotel that is zoned, For that purpose, you can kind of bypass that restriction, right?
0: Exactly. And that's the exact strategy we're doing. You can find these markets where they have like really restrictive bands. There's not a whole lot of Airbnb listings. And those are the most perfect markets to find those in because yeah, you're zoned properly, you're ready for it. People need those. Like the California Coast has been a haven and an amazing place to own an Airbnb when before the Mm. bands. And even San Diego is getting. Airbnb is severely restricted. Wow. So, those kind of markets, I mean, if you can pick up something that makes sense, like, yeah, it's just, you'll crush it.
1: That's so interesting. And you can still list them on the Airbnb platform.
0: Yeah, you can still list them on the Airbnb platform. And because really, what these rules that the cities are putting in place are, you know, they'll require you to have a permit for any stay that's less than right. 30 days, things like right. that. But if you're zoned properly, if you're a bed and breakfast, you can list on all those platforms. You can basically do whatever you want. And it's awesome too, because now you're talking about a commercial property. So you get to base value mm-hmm. off of net operating income. You've got stronger levers to increase the value. And it's the best of both worlds
1: hundred percent. It sounds like an awesome opportunity. And when Stacy mentioned that last month, I was like, this is a great idea. Now you're telling me about it. I'm like, okay, I got to switch focuses yeah. here. And find some and deals. And one of the
0: things I love about it too is like, you know, multifamily, a great type of property to get is the value add. You can right. find maybe a mom and pop owner that's had this family owned property for a long time and they haven't really kept up to speed with their finger on the pulse of how to really optimize their apartment. And so those are always the best deals to get because you can get it and do all sorts of things to raise the NOI. The same thing with these boutique hotels. I mean, we're purchasing one right now in Northern California and it's a 10 unit right on the beach. And this guy's owned it since 2003. It's been his only investment in real estate. And he doesn't even have any idea really how to run it. Literally at dinner, he wanted to get dinner with us, told us what their average occupancy was. And he says, I don't even know if that's good. <laughs> and so you could find these kinds of operators that aren't really you know taking it super seriously. They don't really understand the right. business side of it. They just have a website where people can go you know book on the website without putting it on Airbnb and things like that. So there's just so much value add you can find
1: That's so cool. that is awesome. It's amazing how you kind of stumbled upon this because. You know, being focused on multifamily for a long time, obviously you said you had some Airbnbs, so that was a little bit of focus. I'm sure you saw the value and the cash flow that was coming from those properties. But I mean, were your partners interested in this before or were they were like hesitant because they're like, well, no, we're multifamily guys. This is what we should be doing. No,
0: we were all sort of jumped on it. Like once the idea like clicked, we have one guy, I don't know if you know a Dave Acosta that, yeah, yeah, and him and his wife got a property in North Carolina on the beach and that was one of the things that I really was the catalyst because we we're like, okay, wait a second. We we're talking to him like, you know, this doesn't sound like a great idea because we've been doing these Airbnbs and city after city is banning them. And then once Airbnb, or excuse me, once San Diego announced their, you know, new restrictive laws that aren't outright banning them, but making them super strict. That's when we start talking about it more. And then it didn't take long to start underwriting a couple of properties and realizing the kind of value that was there but like yeah it's really just the best of both worlds man and that security is something that i'm looking for now because when i quit my w2 job the short-term rentals have been my main source of mm-hmm. supporting my everyday life because as you know yeah. when you've got you know these big multi-family properties you really make the money at the end the right. big pop when you sell it you'll get some decent cash flow but it's not like anything that's going to make you super wealthy just mm-hmm. off the of cash flow alone. But these short-term rentals are kind of the reverse; they're very heavy cash flow, and you can support a lifestyle with not as many of them. Mm-hmm. And so, with the Airbnb laws constantly changing, that can make me nervous. But if I've got these boutique hotels that I know are a safe place for me to rely on that cash flow, it makes me feel a little bit better about it.
1: Hundred percent. Are you running these as investments, like syndications, as well? Bringing in investors.
0: Yeah. So interesting. We've been actually doing some creative ways of acquiring them. So take, for example, this Northern California property, we got 70% seller finance, and then the rest of the capital we needed for renovations and for the remaining 30%, we found a one check investor as like a debt investor, Oh, interesting. so to speak. So that was a kind of a unique setup, but we will be syndicating more of them, subsequent ones. We're actually looking at a place right now in Washington state, in wine country, in an area where Airbnbs are completely banned, which I love. And it's really close to the wineries, has a little wedding venue on it. And that one, I think we will syndicate if we acquire it. So, yeah, I mean, we're setting them up in very similar ways syndications, you know, setting it up just like we would a multifamily.
1: That's so interesting. I'm curious to, you know, from the consumer standpoint, when people who are used to traveling and they're looking for places to get away and looking for Airbnbs, and then all of a sudden there come these government bans, and I'm sure there are people still doing it, you know, and going to put up with the fines or whatever, just as their business model. People always do that. But, you know, people are pulling back. I mean, are that from a consumer standpoint, are people just not even? I would think people would stop looking in those places for Airbnbs, right? If they know that there's going to be bans placed upon them.
0: I think that's a good question. But you know, honestly, I think that most of the consumers, they'd have no idea where the bans are or really follow that. And pretty much any place to get away. Exactly. And pretty much like you said, I mean, virtually any place you go try to look, you're still going to find some Airbnbs, some short-term rentals. I think that cities are still trying to figure out the best way to really regulate it because Mm -hmm. they're putting in these, these regulations, but it's a tough thing to monitor. And really the only way, in my opinion, that you're going to be able to is if you get Airbnb on board Mm -hmm. and you have them, you know, verifying your license and, or, you know, using software to figure that out, which I think is coming San Diego with their regulations. That's something that I believe is going to be happening. But, you know, and from the consumer standpoint, even when it comes to the boutique hotel spot, I mean, really with Airbnbs, you're looking for a unique stay. Most people are looking for something bigger and better than a hotel. Yeah. The cool thing about these bed and breakfasts and boutique hotels is they typically, the ones we're looking at have kitchens mm-hmm. or at least a small kitchen and stuff. They still are accomplishing what people are looking for in the sense of more than just two queen beds with a TV in a hotel room. You know, it's still more than that. And I think that just the market share, because the market share of Airbnb now, I believe the last time I checked is more than all the major hotel chains combined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So people are just using that platform to look. So even hotels are booking on there now. So if you have a short-term rental, whether it's a boutique hotel or an Airbnb, and you're not listing it on the Airbnb platform, you're missing out on literally the biggest market share of short-term rentals on the planet. So if you're a boutique hotel operator and you're not on there you're losing money, you're leaving money on the table. So that alone is just, you know, whether you're in a market that bans it or not, if you have a short term rental, it has to be on Airbnb.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm curious, because most Airbnbs, I mean, there's a difference between like a bed and breakfast or a hotel, which may have a lot of amenities, including maybe meals or services and things like that, as opposed to just you know an Airbnb where you know it's really just an apartment or a little cottage or whatever it is a little house or room sometimes, even that you're just mm-hmm. renting out with a couple of beds. I mean, are you putting those type of amenities and hospitality services into these properties or are you kind of transitioning them out of that into just you know your typical type of airbnb
0: absolutely right. We are taking these and making them more of an airbnb experience so the Northern California property is a great example. We're going to literally shut down because we just acquired this. We're literally shutting it down, completely renovating the inside and outside to make it more of like that uniqueness look to it. There's even going to be murals and stuff on the wall, kind of like you see a lot of Airbnbs have. The outdoor area is going to be decked out with fire pits and all kinds of cool furniture, two hot tubs, shipping container pool with a window looking out to the ocean. So it's going to have a lot of these cool little things that people are getting used to finding in Airbnbs Mm -hmm. on the inside. There's even going to be like a Nintendo video game system with games, more unique little things that you're not finding in hotels. And we're completely converting all 10 units to self check-in style, which Airbnb people are used to, right? Right. You're not, you don't want to go get a key. You just Mm want to completely self check-in. So all the doors have their own entry with a keypad lock, all that kind of stuff. So basically the only thing that makes it feel a little bit more like that bed and breakfast or boutique hotel is the fact that there's ten units all in on one building, right, which we can't get away from. But aside from that, we're trying to still provide that super cool airbnb experience.
1: Gotcha. And any like types of meal services on hospitality offering and those type of things, or is that you're pulling out of that also?
0: So we're pulling out of that for this one, but it kind of depends on the property because yeah. like there's this property in Washington that I was looking at that has a kitchen and bar area that's not being used, you know, it already has the liquor license. That's just something that I haven't done yet and I plan on trying to see if I could find, you know, some type of a small bar, somebody that would be willing to uh, lease that right. and operate it themselves because mm-hmm. that is something that I've never been in the restaurant industry or food and right. beverage industry. I would need somebody else to completely take over that. But yeah, another different space, business. it's a whole different business and a really hard one. Yeah. And, but a whole nother space that's kind of connected to this that I'm super, super interested in is the venue portion that a lot of these mm-hmm. big Be- breakfasts have specifically wedding venues, mm-hmm. because as we all know, if anyone's ever heard of how expensive weddings are that's something that people are very elastic with their spending mm-hmm. and just for the venue alone people are willing to spend a pretty penny for just to have that venue for one night right so this is also something that i like when i find these little bed and breakfasts that have that because i want to get in that part of the business too
1: yeah sure and you can people can turn it into a whole experience you know you bring a whole group and rent out the whole place I'm happy to connect you with Josh McCallan, who is great in that space. He had him on the podcast a while back as well. Oh, really? He's got a couple venues like that. Great in the hospitality space and you know, wedding venues and things like that. Also, he's got a winery, so it's a similar type space.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. And you know, something that I realized is that a lot of these event places, specifically wedding venues, I mean, they're booked out for like yeah. two years, man. Like there is in most markets that I've kind of just dabbled in and called a lot of different venues and stuff. There seems to be enough demand in the market without sufficient supply to be able to support more of these places operating. Sure. So it makes sense to me.
1: Absolutely. It's great when you find places like this and just trying to, your brain starts thinking, well, how can I run this? And how can I bring more revenue? And how can I, you know, make this, bring this to the market in a different kind of unique way? So that's awesome. Yeah.
0: It's fun. It's honestly kind of fun. And the possibilities seem to be endless if you could just be a little bit creative and bring in... And I'm trying to also think of who, not how. Great book, mm-hmm. by the way. I'm trying to think of who, not how. And with some of these, it's just like, hey, I don't know anything about weddings, but how about I just pay a wedding planner as a consultant to help me figure all this out? And that's yeah. what I'm going to do.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And designers. And there's people out there who are just like great designers, interior designers and stuff like that, that have you know great experience with designing, setting up these type of places.
0: Yeah, exactly. And making them amazing and, you know, making the pictures look like a magazine and all that kind of stuff. And finding those people and bringing them in to help you is how you can really, like, especially even in that wedding venue space. I mean, people are shopping with their eyes. If you've Mm -hmm. got a website that has an amazing wedding venue, you're going to draw them in. Absolutely. Simple as that.
1: It sounds simple. (laughs) Let's,
0: let's
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's see how this plays out, right? We'll see. Sounds exciting though. That's awesome. Well, Sean, I want to transition now what we call the final four. It's a four questions I ask all my guests. First question, what's the worst job that you ever had?
0: I would say the worst job I ever had, kind of funny, would be working, washing dishes for Bob Evans restaurant in Louisville, Kentucky when I was in high school. That stunk. It's just like I was in this like square area with the dishes constantly coming in, soaking wet, running the dishwasher. Not a great job. (laughs) <laughs> but I did it, man. It paid for me buying shoes and gas in college or high yeah. school. Man.
1: That's what we all got to do sometimes, you know, Which Yeah, age just find something to do.
0: It does sound like
1: a one. Okay. Second question. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift?
0: I'm going to say the same one that probably a lot of people say, and that's Rich Dad Poor Dad. I think that that paradigm shift for me reading that book was, it just completely retrained my brain on how to think about money. And it really was such a big light bulb that went off in my head that I think that that was basically a life changer, a paradigm shift for me Mm -hmm. and how I treat my money and make it work for me.
1: 100%. Yeah. It's a huge, it's a game changer. That book, again, we've had many, many people on this show talk about this. And if you, listener, have not yet read it, check it out. What are you waiting for? Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's going to change the way you think. Guaranteed.
0: Yeah. 100%. Get out there and buy it. It's on Amazon. Come on.
1: (laughs) Third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn?
0: I want to learn to speak other languages specifically. I want to learn how to speak Spanish. That's something that I told myself and committed. Once I quit my job, I'm going to join like a Spanish immersion program here in San Diego. I really want to start learning other languages. And now that I have more time, I'm going to dedicate myself to. Sure, and It's a skill and I want to learn it.
1: Absolutely is. And in San Diego, it probably won't be too difficult. In fact, it probably be very beneficial to be able to speak Spanish.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of places for me to practice around here. I have no excuse, man. I got to get it done.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or just drive 20 minutes to. Uh... <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> to the source. <laughs>
1: exactly. Oh man. No, I did well with speaking Spanish when I lived in San Diego, but I've since forgotten most of it, <laughs> but that's all right.
0: Yeah, It's a muscle, man. You got to practice. Exactly. Use it or lose it.
1: Exactly. Well, the thing is I immerse myself in other languages and I kind of one goes in, another goes out and you just try it. when you're thinking in a different language and then you're trying to speak one and you're thinking a different one. It just, it doesn't.
0: What other languages I, have you studied? So
1: I've immersed myself in living in Israel, in Hebrew and in Yiddish, mm-hmm. which is, it's a kind of a combination. Yiddish is like German and Hebrew kind of mix. So mm-hmm. it's a kind of unique language, but speaking those fluently just kind of made me forget a lot of the Spanish that I knew.
0: Yeah, so, of course.
1: Anyways. Fourth and final question, Sean, what does success mean to you?
0: That's an easy one for me to answer. Success to me is time freedom. And I thought it was a certain amount of money at some point or something like that. But really, when I realized, especially after I quit my W-2, how much time I was spending away just constantly working and grinding and working Mm -hmm. six-day work weeks and all this stuff and how many things I was missing, and I realized that the true freedom was being able to do what I want with my time. And even though I'm still working on the real estate stuff, it's something that I want to do. It's something I enjoy doing. And the time freedom is, that's it. That's success. Life is opened up to me now to do whatever I want with it. And I'm not asking somebody else for permission. And and that's it for me.
1: That's awesome. And you found your focus. I mean, you found something that you love and that you enjoy doing. So, I mean, kudos to you.
0: Thanks, man. Uh, Yeah. Same to you, brother.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You got to love it. I mean, I'm still like exploring a lot of things, you know, I still got a W2, you know, I'm working on the cost seg king, but that's a business, you know, that's running, uh, that's working. And even though I love it, I still got, you know, there's a lot of other things I'd love to do also. So trying to figure out how to work all that in, but Airbnb is actually one of the things on my list. So that's something that I'm working on uh, right now as well. So great speaking to people like you who have that experience and just being encouraged to do it. And I think it's going to push me a little further along.
0: Let's do it, man. Get you a boutique hotel in Israel on the beach. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I bet go. that's expensive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> yeah, that is for sure. But you never know. Mm-hmm. Definitely check it out. I'm actually looking on the coastal in the Carolina coast. So North Carolina beach. So we'll check that's that out. That's a good
0: place. That's where David Cost is at, man. Got to hit him up.
1: I definitely will. We got to keep back in touch. So Sean, how can our listeners find you or reach out to you?
0: Easy. Just go to our website, pack 3 capitalcom That's P-A-C, the number three, capital capita com. You can reach out to us for whatever you want on there. Fill out the form if you want to come on our podcast or something like that, or if you want to invest and I'll be the one to answer.
1: Awesome. Well, guys, I highly encourage you to check them out and definitely check out their podcast because like I said, one of my favorites out there when I get a chance to listen, which isn't too often, but I do. It's definitely on my subscribe list. And I wish the rest of your day should be as great as it started.
0: Thank you so much for having me on the show, Yona. I really appreciate it, man. We'll keep in touch.
1: hundred percent. And to our listeners, thanks again for listening and joining all the way to the end. Remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode?